This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to the 39th episode of Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we discuss what made news, what didn't and some things that shouldn't have. We are back this week with a super cool panel to discuss the super busy week of the Supreme Court, among other things. So before we dive into our discussion, let me introduce our guests. On my right, we have Shruti Sagar Yamunan from Scroll. Hi. Hello. Oh, welcome to Reporters Without Orders. Thank you so much. Shruti Sagar is a legal correspondent with Scroll. He has a decade of journalistic experience and has previously worked with a Hindu. We also have Chitranshu Sina, a Supreme Court advocate. Hi, Chitranshu. Hi. Welcome to Reporters. Thank you. Uh, Chitranshu primarily practices commercial and mercantile litigation before the Supreme Court, Delhi High Court, etc. He contributes law-related articles to websites such as the Huffington Post, the Quint and New Central. So we also have our in-house guest panelists, Rohan Varma. Hi, Rohan. Hello. And Amit will be joining us in a bit. This unfortunately is Rohan's last podcast as an in-house participant. He's moving in search of knowledge so hopefully we'll have you soon over the phone at least of course <laughs> okay so i'd like to begin get straight to the panel with the discussion uh, the top court has delivered so many verdicts over the week uh, sabremala bhima koregaon case or rather a verdict related to bhima koregaon case uh, aadhar and ayodhya linked verdict there was the romila thapar petition which was the bhima koregaon case what i found most intriguing among all these were the dissenting voices in the Aadhaar case, the Sabrimala case and the Bhima Koreka case. But that has also made me wonder like, if a panel of judges is hearing the same set of arguments, how do they come to such different opinions? Shruti Sagar, if you want to go first. Um, at the end of the day, Supreme Court judges are also individuals, right? Correct. They have their own um, likes and dislikes, their own worldview. And that comes through in the uh, judgments as well. Mm -hmm. But primarily, judges are expected to keep their personal opinions away when they adjudicate. But this is, I think this also adds to the robust nature of the judiciary. Mm -hmm. Now, the fact that there could be strong dissents in itself tells you the diversity of the benches that you see in the Supreme Court. So in a way, I think this diversity is a good thing Mm -hmm. for the functioning of the institution itself. Chitranshu, do you want to comment on that? Yeah, I have to add to that, that uh, the point being that the judge's personality, the personalities do come out in some way or the other. It's also very important to see where these judges come from, the school mm-hmm. of thought they come from. Uh, for example, in the Sabari Mala judgment, Justice uh, Malotra is a very, very recent elevated to the Supreme Court. She comes from a very strong background of constitutional law practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, about Justice Chandrachur, who gave his dissent in Bhima Koregaon as well as Aadhaar. He comes from a very strong background of liberal ideas. He comes from a background where he studied liberal ideas abroad, and he was appointed to the judge very uh, appointed as a judge as a very very mm-hmm. relatively uh, young judge at that point of time. And uh, so he's been on the bench for a longer time than most of the judges sitting there, and he's seen all variety of cases because he originated from the Bombay High Court, which is one of the best high courts in the country. Also, you have to understand that dissents, as such, are very very important. Okay, that is actually my next question. When we are seeing such strong dissents, like Chandrachur in uh, at least two of the judgments and Induma Lothra in the Sabrimala judgment, what is the significance of these dissents? Do they change anything? Because they don't really count in the majority judgment. And it's the majority that will prevail. Sorry, they may not count right now. But in Mm -hmm. future, these dissents have a very, very crucial role to play. Okay. If you just look back at the ADM Jabalpur case of the 70s when the emergency was in play and Justice Khanna gave his dissent saying that fundamental rights like right to life do not get suspended during the emergency. Mm-hmm. That dissent cost him his uh, chief justiceship. But that dissent became very, very important in later judgments and later amendments to the constitution. Similarly, the judgment, uh, the dissents, like in the NJAC case, Justice Chalameshwar's dissent, mm-hmm. it actually showed us where he was going with his future judgments, his future... So, yeah. dissents give us a hope. Yes, they do. Uh, do you want to... Dissents give us a hope, but uh, the problem is also that dissents do not 
uh, about uh, do not affect the future much in the sense i, I i'll give you the example of of, of keshavan and the bharati or mm-hmm. or the judgments that that articulated the basic structure of the constitution it was a slim majority in these judgments mm-hmm. i mean i mean in my personal opinion the basic structure doctrine is a faulty doctrine a ridiculous doctrine uh, no, uh, but at the same time chitranjan you're smiling i want yeah. to know why yeah You yeah. agree with him? No, no, I disagree with him. So, do you want to mention your disagreement? No, um, I feel it's not a ridiculous uh, uh, doctrine because mm-hmm. it's one of those doctrines which have been saving us from a lot of things. Yeah, it has also trouble. it has also taken the power out of the people. Okay. Essentially, you have undermined the role of parliament by articulating something called the basic structure. Uh, I mean, there there can be there could be described like 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 he points out. the basic structure doctrine mm-hmm. has come to the rescue of fundamental rights at okay. some point but it has also led to the erosion of fundamental rights in certain cases it has led to the erosion of parliamentary supremacy okay. i want to go back to something you mentioned earlier about uh, how it is expected that the judges will keep their personal views if i'm quoting you correctly out of the court when they are doing but is that actually possible it is very difficult for example i, I mean he talked about the legal background of these mm-hmm. judges but you can also talk about the caste class econo- the economic and social background of the same judges now mm-hmm. when you take the other judgments which you're discussing mm-hmm. now one of the biggest points uh, made against other mm-hmm. is that it is exclusionary in nature correct see to understand this whole concept of exclusion i i wouldn't say you you need to experience exclusion mm-hmm. but i think the background that you come from see a, a a lower caste or 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 somebody who's considered a lower caste person mm-hmm. would be able to relate to this process of exclusion better than somebody from an upper caste upper class background so him so, do you agree with that थोड़ा सा शायद इसमें मतलब मुझे लगता है कि उसमें एक ऑब्जर्वेशन कोड का ये भी है कि जो लोअर क्लास और जो मजलूम है जो नीचे ग्राउंड लेवल पे है उनके लिए डिग्निफाइड वे ऑफ लिविंग का एक रास्ता आधार को बताया गया मुझे लगता है कि पता नहीं है कैसे कोर्ट को लगता है ये डिग्निफाइड एक तो आइडेंटिटी का सवाल है कि उनको जो सोशल वेलफेयर स्कीम्स है वो मिलनी चाहिए लेकिन वो उनकी डिग्निटी से कैसे जुड़ा है क्योंकि जो भी प्राइवेसी का पूरा डिबेट है ये मुझे मेरे ख्याल से ये बहुत एलिटिस डिबेट है अभी भी जब मैं अपने गांव की तरफ देखता हूँ तो वहाँ आधार के प्राइवेसी बहुत बड़ी कंसर्न नहीं है लेकिन वहाँ पर यह सबसे बड़ा कंसर्न है कि वहाँ किसी को अगर आधार के नाम पर पी सिस्टम से अनाज नहीं मिलता है तो वो कंसर्न है लेकिन मुझे समझ नहीं आता कि आधार को कोर्ट डिग्निफाइड लाइफ का जरिया कैसे बताती है see this question comes up very often so that there is there is an assumption that the that what the poor expects or mm-hmm. what the poor wants is only material right i mean that the poor does not need or doesn't care about privacy mm-hmm. or certain incidental rights that you have in the constitution we can call it incidental but privacy in my opinion is not incidental it's a very very it ha- it's a prime it is a prime, fundamental prime right fundamental right. Right. it has uh, is part of part of your right to life itself mm-hmm. who determines whether the poor should have privacy or not why is it that when we talk about the poor we only talk about roti and clothes and whatever and shelter and again like you mentioned like on the panel of judges who's representative of the poor really no that nobody is There's that no is the one, point yeah. so the, the 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 no bracketing the poor in a particular category and then saying that they don't need privacy but they need only cloth and you know, clothes food and water so, is is to me fundamentally negating the very idea of fundamental rights that are constitutional makers came up so if i'm getting it right you're agreeing with rohin to a certain extent that saying that it provides them dignity because he's actually saying that it doesn't actually provide them dignity as opposed to what the court has said exactly that's what i'm saying so when you, when you when you see why 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 was why why was why did the court articulate privacy as part of right to life and dignity mm-hmm. now the constitution makers did not put in all these rights just for a they did not compartmentalize these rights into the rights of the poor and the rights of the rich right every citizen has you know the right to enjoy all these fundamental rights under part 3 so for you to come and say that or for anybody to come and say that the super elite is taking advantage of the poor mm-hmm. in opposing aadhar i mean this was one of the headlines on the day of the judgment in one of the websites mm-hmm. that has the super elite no other activists taken advantage of the poor now who are you to determine that they shouldn't have privacy and only uh, 
ఫుడ్ అండ్ షెల్టర్ if you say the poor don't want the privacy how do you know they are even aware that such a right exists and mm-hmm. also looking at privacy from just a narrow view of aadhar or not to have aadhar is a, is a actually a, a flawed approach to take if i may say so because privacy is not just limited to aadhar or pds or any such scheme it's a very wide concept it applies to criminal law it applies to civil law it doesn't I mean, just i want to come back to this i haven't read the piece and i haven't seen this headline uh, but i don't think they actually meant that the that the court or rather people are misusing the rights of the poor no they are misusing the poor to argue against something that actually benefits the poor this is how the argument is made this is one so of the, the assumption is that aadhar benefits the poor it might if it is implemented properly i mean what i i think fundamentally people do not understand this opposition to aadhar it is not an opposition to that 12 digit no identification number mm-hmm. it is that you are negating one right to say that only if you give up this right will i be able to deliver the other correct that is where the problem lies to me you know personally i want both right to privacy and my right to food right But to clean air and water but then aadhar is in opposition to privacy so exactly so if, if there are privacy concerns in aadhar then that has to be understood and you have to come up with remedies ignoring it and then saying that this is a conspiracy of the super elite is in my opinion a problematic construction rohan do you like want to like somebody said put it wine and cheese liberal i mean this is not <laughs> this is not a conspiracy of a wine and cheese liberals of this country i mean as a disclaimer i'll put it out i am upper caste i am possibly upper middle class but having having i mean when you look at the constitution when you mm-hmm. look at the chapter of fundamental rights you need to understand that you cannot compartmentalize and say that i will give you only one right if just choose which one do you want even if you if you are going to go ask a poor man or a woman that either take privacy or food and what i mean the choice is obvious there I mean, but that is not what the state really should be doing here it's not really a choice here no, you're no. not giving them oh, a exactly. choice exactly i i'm just saying that the state is not supposed to put them in a position where they choose between their life and their privacy so that's exactly what i'm saying why they, why should there be a trade off at all like you put Absolutely. it very rightly no rohan shayad lag raha hai ki main thoda misinterpret kar gaya mera ye kehna hai ki मैं मान रहा हूँ कि गरीबों के लिए प्राइवेसी फंडामेंटल राइट है जैसे लेकिन मैं कॉन्सियसनेस के लेवल की बात कर रहा हूँ क्या उनके पास भी इतना ही कॉन्सियसनेस है जितनी आधार को चिंताएं दिल्ली में लोग दिखा रहे हैं आधार की प्राइवेसी को लेके क्या दिस इज वॉट आई थिंक पीपल माइट नॉट इवन बी अवेयर how uh, many in this country do not even have an identification document right so you know how difficult it is in this corrupt system to go and get an identity document for yourself now suddenly when the government comes and gives you an identity document at your doorstep that is a great entitlement that is that is i, I mean even if you i mean if you go and ask somebody now for aadhar they they come out and i mean this was this is this is what was i was just discussing this with a colleague of mine a few days back people are very happy to show you their aadhar because the system was so flawed that getting a single identity document to prove that you are a citizen right. or a resident or you are entitled to certain benefits was is so difficult in this country it's yeah, like getting for, a price for getting something like a legal health certificate a ration card you are forced to shell out thousands to You know, yeah, for, the from the person who's occupying the chair of a tahsildar to the clerk in the office mm. now suddenly here was a document that was presented to them on a platter obviously and that is why so the state has the responsibility to ensure that there is not a trade off like he said mm. it is not the responsibility of the people to gain consciousness about the problems and then respond true uh, but here i want a button because we need to move to the next topic sure. which like but i would want to go back to when we were talking about dissent right we have seen chandrachur's dissent in at least two cases so how you've already answered how significant dissent is but i was also thinking does it also give us a sneak peek into the dynamics of the courtrooms 
because he was also he's also a judge who's going to take office the CJ's office in 2020 that is why it's an, a very very important because that also shows the mindset that he's now employing because see like uh, when the lawyer lawyer judgment came out mm-hmm. all of us were up in arms against that and all of us thought that okay there's this guy who we thought was a liberal but in fact went the other way but now we have two dissents in which he has reinforced his position as a liberal and as a progressive uh, uh, judge <laughs> but uh, uh, but the but in my Don't opinion he gave another regressive judgment in the same week which <laughs> yeah. nobody noticed which is which is he sort of reiterated the high court's powers and uh, the powers of the high courts to suspend convictions in prevention of corruption act cases now it might not look like very important a very important judgment when you when you compare it with the uh, with these but when we are talking about the criminalization of politics in that context this is a very significant judgment no, because fact, that was a, was that was a that, very yeah. that was a very interesting case a cele- case involving a celebrity mm-hmm. where the court actually one of the courts actually said that we are suspending the conviction because hey that man has to contest yeah that was no so that was i was coming at that in this these case it might just seem a little performative as well okay i i mean is is it reading too much if i say that there are a lot of liberal judgments when the chief justice is retiring is there a pattern to that is there something more to be read there see uh, i wouldn't really say that but uh, you have to understand the dynamics the dynamics of judges coming through high courts and coming to the supreme court mm-hmm. also you have to understand that closer to retirement they really don't have much to lose unless they are actually vying for a if that is why they are post. giving a certain type of judgment i think it's it creates a lot of questions i'll, I'll give you another example i won't take names but uh, but do take in, names <laughs> it becomes a little difficult for me being in the court every day okay. but recently there was a mm-hmm. judge who was excellent as a judge very liberal heard everyone came across as uh, someone with a lot of integrity when he was not the chief justice but when he became the chief justice controversy just followed him so in fact he took the other way he actually became regressive when he became the chief justice mm-hmm. he did not have a very long term but whatever he did in that term was very very damaging for the institution you're not taking the name but it's pretty obvious who you're referring to do you want to come in on that no but this binary of the liberal and the conservative mm-hmm. is also slightly problematic see it doesn't work like it works in the True, us just like chandrachur is an example that's what i'm saying so to call somebody a liberal judge or a conservative judge in the Which indian context is why context, i said liberal judgments, judgments. Liberal yeah, judgments that, that yeah. might make better sense because calling somebody a liberal judge or a conservative judge in the indian context is very difficult it's very difficult absolutely also also i just feel that the we only talk about judgments which come into the media which are reported upon absolutely for example the criminalization that was judge- still reported upon but there are judgments which we as practicing advocates see mm-hmm. every day there are judgments which might seem minor to the public but they uh, they are very important to the litigants themselves a lot of judges just brush these past they don't think the stakes are too high but that stake may be too high for that person who's there and we actually didn't take any notice of I it and that could be because there are limits to what a newsroom can carry every day and the number of cases that we have in the courts so coming and, to that point some, so some places might have only one legal correspondent yeah yeah so coming <laughs> to that point the judges is very difficult are you feel, told to cover too many cases on a day no 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 if, if, i love my feel, job <laughs> if you feel that the judges are insulated they're not they know which matters are being covered they know which matters are being followed so in those matters uh, they actually are careful of what they're saying or the way they are conducting themselves but in a lot of matters they're wow, not that gives media a lot of power to influence judgments it does let's let's not be under any assumption that it does not which is why i'll give you an example people are so being put on media trials it is and I, i'll give you an example so uh, a couple of years back there was this case of a society in bombay in which the an order was passed for its demolition but a uh, few days later the judge himself said that see i read this in the media and doesn't seem to write to me so i'm reversing my own order wow we will come back to courts and what's media what is media's relation with the court but i want to bring in amit and rohan into this to discuss a little of what happened in the media world rohan you did a preliminary report on the retrenchment at uh, the press trust of india and amit was at the protest organized by the pti employees union so could you rohan uh, give us some details about the employees who were sacked uh, the post they held how many employees were sacked and uh, amit could you share a little more about the protest itself the demands and what's the current state 
ये शनिवार की शाम को ये खबर आई थी कि पीटीआई ने अपने नॉन जर्नलिस्ट पोस्ट जो होल्ड कर रहे थे करीब 300 के आसपास जो उनके कर्मचारी थे देश भर से उनको सैक किया है और जो हमारी कुछ लोगों से बातचीत हुई उसमें ये था कि बोर्ड ऑफ डायरेक्टर्स की करीब दो महीने पहले मीटिंग हुई थी उसमें बोर्ड ऑफ डायरेक्टर से भी कुछ लोगों ने इस्तीफा दिया था और जो ये जो लोग अभी निकाले गए इनसे ये बोला गया था कि आप वी ले लीजिए तो इन लोगों रिटायरमेंट स्कीम लेकिन इन लोगों ने उस बात को बहुत तवज्जो नहीं दी और ये काम करते रहे फाइनली ये डिसीजन लिया गया और इसके पीछे क्या कारण है ये अभी तो कुछ स्पष्ट नहीं है तो कितने Uh, so PTI has a federation of uh, unions uh, which represents the PTI employees across India. It has 80 centers, mm-hmm. and sackings have happened on 36 centers of PTI or the bureaus. Okay. Now, who are these employees? These are uh, so the federation is made by the uh, journalist and non-journalist employees of the PTI. who are under the majitia wage board correct so all these employees 297 employees which is nearly 60% of the total strength under the majitia mm-hmm. have been sacked and uh, the beauty is that on saturday the last saturday when the sackings happened mm-hmm. uh, account of all th- uh, 297 employees were credited with the retrenchment package Mm-hmm. so it included 30 days of salary and 15 days of salary per year of service what i want clarity on is were these employees in the know that they were going to be uh, sacked uh, rohin mentioned that there was a board meeting and that some were in the know but did these employees actually know this okay uh, i spoke to these employees i spoke to the federation people i also tried to speak to the uh, management the officer who had signed the retrenchment letters hmm. so uh, the obviously the management the officer who signed those letters was not able to speak he said he was he was not authorized to speak but as far as the employees are concerned they told me that you know they have been uh, listening to these rumors of sackings and retrenchment for almost couple of years now Okay. and on several occasions the federation has uh, went out to the management and they had asked in very specific terms mm-hmm. that are retrenchments going to happen mm-hmm. and if then what is going to i mean what exactly it will be like I mean, but the management told them now this is uh, balram dahia the federation general secretary correct uh, who told me that the management kept on assuring that no retrenchment is happening mm-hmm. uh, the uh, pti unions uh, northern regions uh, general secretary uh, sujata mathur mm-hmm. she told me that even the federation general secretary was not informed about the decision now if you are going ahead with the retrenchment uh they should have ideally informed the federation at least so that they can tell uh, the employees mm-hmm. now it's not a normal case you have people i have gone through the entire list mm-hmm. of people who have been sacked or who have been thrown out of the organization now these are the people who have given their three decades of life correct to pti amit i want to button here mm-hmm. a little uh, i want to go back to majithia wage board so if the employees were not informed from what i understand of the majithia wage board Aren't they in violation? Isn't PTI I, uh, in violation? I'm not an expert on Majitia, number mm-hmm. one. So I will not want to venture on those aspect. Okay. And obviously, because the employees are now planning to, you know, file a court case, and they might have filed uh, it already by now because they said that they would initiate the process of uh, on Wednesday, just today. And uh, they, so I and they, according to the leaders from the union. Mm-hmm. they said that uh, there are two violations uh, okay. that the pti management has done while doing these sackings one of the basically the it act majitia just gives lays out the it's a wage board thing right. so, so it lays out the salary what what salary an employee should get including right. the notice period right according to majitia they should have received a notice period notice okay so the company either has to give 30 days of notice pe- notice period or the salary or for that the salary so in this case the pti management has given them 30 days salary and a retrenchment package 
The Supreme Court order in the Majithya board case has not been given any respect. Now, not just PTI. There are newspapers in this country which essentially told the you know employees when the mm-hmm. Majithya wage board came that either move to our contract system or move out. And if you if you system. decide to stay in the wage board system, we won't give you any promotions, no increments, nothing. You'll be stuck with the wage board, no division of uh, wage board recommendation. Mm-hmm. The others will. You know, grow, and this is what is going to be your fate. Now that is a sword that uh, that, that hangs on your uh, above your uh, head, mm-hmm. and nobody wanted to do it. So yeah, I'm not too aware of the Majithia board, but uh, with regard to retrenchment, when mm-hmm. there are such mass retrenchments, they always have some cause of action to go to the appropriate uh, forum or tribunal. But in India, traditionally, we've had very weak, uh, where we had a very weak legal system when it comes to uh, approaching employment cases, employment issues. If okay. it's state employment, then you have uh, st- uh, statutory bodies like SATs and CATs taking care of it. But when it comes to private employment, so what employment, you're saying is for the PTI employees, there isn't much hope because we have. A there may be hope, but it's a long drawn out process. And it'll also be pinned down on procedural. Lapses, yes, exactly. More than exactly. violation of labor laws. That's what mm-hmm. happens. That's what's been happening in the last decade. And when there's any uh, dispute in the private sector, yeah. Okay. Um, in fact, uh, uh, to Transhu, what he was saying, I mean, uh, you know, uh, what happens in most of the cases is that all these employees they hire one lawyer, but on the other side, the management or the companies would have a panel of lawyers representing them in the court. So it becomes really difficult for them to fight the case, and they keep on delaying the company. The target of the company is to delay the case. Hearings. Absolutely, yeah. I have done a lot yeah. of legal aid uh, cases for workers in the High Court. They can't really afford a lot of. Yes, exactly. Fees. So that's how the legal aid lawyers come in, and then what uh, we discover that these cases have been going for ten years, fifteen years. There's a case which went on for twenty-five years. Wow! And it was a matter of seventy-five thousand rupees in back wages. Yeah. So the high court finally told them, "You take fifty thousand and just get it over with." And the people took fifty thousand. They had no option but to take it. True, uh, Amit. We will go back to the Supreme Court hearings, but could you tell us a little bit about the farmers' protest that you covered? What triggered this? Why are the farmers here in Delhi? Why is the police taking the action that it is? <laughs> It's uh, the recent. I, I mean, I've covered uh, a couple of the farmers' protests which has happened in national capital. In brief, and, please. Uh, in, in in the national capital in the recent past. And uh, you know this one, uh, the BKU uh, Bharatiya Kisan Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just want to go a little back. Uh, so what exactly? What exactly is Bharatiya Kisan Union? Thirty years back, mm-hmm. uh, Mahendra Atikayat entered national capital with tractors and lakhs of farmers, and he took a seize of the boat club. And the Rajiv Gandhi government was completely shaken by the act, mm-hmm. by the act, mm-hmm. by that protest. Now, 30 years later, the same union brings thousands of farmers, and they want to enter the national capital in similar fashion. But the police, the uh, uh, RAF, and uh, then Uttar, uh, you had Uttar Pradesh police. All these forces stopped them from entering the national capital. Now, the issues that these farmers were raising, and why I spoke about tickets uh, rally 30 years back, is. You know, government after government, we have not paid attention to the agri- uh, agrarian economy. We have not ensured. We have not made enough efforts to make it profitable. It remains a burden. It was. It it started becoming a burden decades back, and now it has completely turned into a profession where the burden is more on the farmer, and we taxpayers sitting in the in, you know in the cities in the metros. Keep thinking that okay, whatever MSP is being uh, given to the farmers, it's from our taxpayers' money. You know, the government government is doling out uh, all these uh, okay. subsidies and they are waiving the loans, and it's actually damaging the economy. So, but that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. What the farmers are demanding is, you know, uh, in this particular case, uh, they were talking more in concrete terms. They were saying that there's a ban on. 
diesel diesel vehicle mm-hmm. uh you can't use it beyond 10 years but uh, there's a tractor that you use in the fields mm-hmm. now how how a farmer is supposed to buy tractor every 10 years you barely end up repaying the loan Correct. that you took 10 years back so it becomes a new financial burden for the farmers when they're talking about the diesel rates which are going high hmm. what triggered the sort of police action that we saw because from the pictures that i gathered it was pretty brutal i think the listeners uh, the panel rather uh, might already know what happened i i won't say that it was brutal uh, but then if there are orders that you can't let the farmers or any any uh, you know large chunk of people to enter the national capital the police will uh, do everything to stop them uh the farmers wanted to enter the national capital the police were stopping them and then uh, eventually uh, they start uh, you know the one barricade was broken in the morning and eventually uh, uh, they they had reached the final barricade which was uh, kept at the delhi uh, up gate it's called at, at gazipur Mm-hmm. uh and they, uh, then that is when the police started uh, using water cannons they lathi charged and, and somehow you... one bari- uh, one tractor uh, uh, i was told by one of the photographers who was present at the uh, spot when mm-hmm. this incident happened is that one tractor was stuck right in front of the barricade and that Which is and the, the water picture... cannon was uh, you know uh, on but uh, the police was using the water cannon mm-hmm. so that is when the tractor tried to break the barricade correct and everything whatever happened we know after that correct uh just the last question before i let you <clears throat> go what did you think of the media's coverage of the event like until the cannons burst at the farmers or rather than mm-hmm. i didn't see a lot of media coverage i saw that iconic picture on all the front pages of papers today but i didn't see a lot of coverage of the farmers protest before this like <clears throat> even the details of the protest i didn't really find them on a lot of portals just your thoughts on the media coverage as in uh, coverage of it of the day or before of before the protest the, uh, of the protest even before i okay so th- there's a reason because you know the protest started uh, they started the uh, kishan kisan kranti padyatra from haridwar on 23rd mm-hmm. you know that they are going to reach here in delhi so possibly i mean for any reporter news organization they would want that okay let's see how how it pans out and anyway they are going to reach delhi so real action would start here Rohin, so from the agree? tv's perspective i think it's fine if they you know Uh, waited till the end okay amit i'll just bring in <clears throat> rohan on this rohan do yeah, you yeah. do you think that's justified न्यूज़पेपर्स में ये पुराना ट्रेंड है कि जब भी किसानों की कोई पदयात्रा होती है कोई प्रोटेस्ट मार्च होता है तो उसमें सबसे पहला जिक्र यही होता है कि दिल्ली जाम रही और लोगों को परेशानी हुई और इसी लाइन पे आज भी मैंने न्यूज़पेपर्स को देखा कवर करते हुए तो इससे साफ पता चलता है कि वो किस ऑडियंस को कैटर करते हैं अगर आप अखबार में बोल्स का एड लेंगे तो आपको तो ट्रैफिक के जाम से चिंता होगी तो you're nodding do you agree with what rohan is saying yeah but i i think this time the coverage was a little better in the newspapers i i mean compared to the past that he's talking about mm-hmm. they were better but they they need much better coverage obviously नहीं कवरेज हो रही है लेकिन एक इवेंट बेस्ड कवरेज है जो मैं पहले भी कह रहा हूँ कि जब उन पर वाटर कैनन चल रहा है लाठी चल रही है उनके इशूज़ पे बात नहीं हो पाती है टीवी डिबेट्स में वो इश्यूज़ नहीं आ पाते हैं अगर वो ट्रैक्टर की बात है तो दिल्ली में एक समस्या एन जी बार बार कह रही है कि पॉल्यूशन की बात है और उसी की वजह से दस साल पुराने वाहनों पर वो बैन लगा रहे हैं तो इस इस कॉन्टेक्स्ट में एक अच्छी बहस होनी चाहिए कि दोनों समस्याओं का हल निकल सके क्योंकि दिल्ली में ऐसे भी व्हीकल्स चल रहे हैं जो दस साल से पुराने हैं पोल्यूशन का कारण है तो हम लोग इसकी बाइनरीज में फंस के रह जा रहे हैं making any commentary on you know what tv said or what newspaper said absolutely said. but keep but it yesterday brief yesterday i was watching the tv uh, late in the night after the coverage and um, and again i avoid taking names of the channel but this time i would like to it was india uh, tv rajat sharma's india tv and rajat okay. sharma was doing the prime time and okay, the uh, panel apparently is... he was trying to you know put forward both sides of the story and he went on to say that 
अगर किसान इस तरह से अपना आंदोलन करेंगे तो कोई उनका सपोर्ट नहीं करेगा समथिंग ऑन द लाइंस ऑफ दिस एंड इट्स शॉकिंग यू नो किसान इस तरह से अपना आंदोलन करेंगे आपने अपने फोर्सेस का पूरा इस्तेमाल किया है ब्रूटल फोर्सेस का स्टेट ने गांधी जयंती के दिन लाल बहादुर शास्त्री के बर्थडे के दिन आप क्या एक्सपेक्ट करते हैं इनसे किसानों से मतलब हरिद्वार से जो चल के किसान यहाँ तक आया था कोई इनकन्वीनियंस हुआ कहीं रोड जाम हुआ जैसे कांवड़ यात्रा में हम लोगों ने तमाम तरह की खबरें सुनी हैं क्या वैसी खबरें इस किसान यात्रा से सुनने को मिली हमको वी डिड नॉट हियर एनीथिंग ऑफ शॉर्ट लाइक दैट नंबर वन नंबर टू द डिबेट ऑन टीवी चैनल्स वॉज अगेन इट इट वेंट टू दैगुलर नरेटिव बीजेपी वर्सेज अपोजिशन हुई टू ट्रेवल द मोदी गवर्नमेंट बट वट शुड हैव बिन द डिबेट the debate should have been about the tractors the debate should have been like the farmers only told me hmm. ki you know the modi government has increased the msp but are we going to calculate the labor cost involved in the farming now five people from the same family are involved in a farm even if they earn 300 rupees uh, uh, you know uh, daily wages hmm. it comes down to 1500 per day and even if these people are involved for two months this cost will go to 90000 for a crop if the family's labor is labor cost is calculated on only 60 days so the entire concept is, is we need to revisit uh, the concept of msp and we as citizens sitting in the urban landscape need to understand why the farmers have to take the streets every now and then true i What agree is, and hmm, like hmm. rohin was saying we need to move beyond the binaries and the agricultural crisis debate requires much more nuance but amit we have to move on from this we yeah, have yeah, yeah. we are running out of time so do you want to share your recommendation yeah there's this uh, documentary uh, on it's accessible on youtube so uh, uh, people can watch it it's called india untouched okay yeah okay thank you for joining us thanks a lot okay i quickly want to go back to the panel about dissenting opinions we were talking about and um, shruti sagar we were talking about indu malhotra's justice indu malhotra's dissent and you were mentioning how her rather do you just want to comment on her dissent dissent yeah, so i i think the moment <clears throat> hindu malhotra's dissent came out the judgment came out i, I think the opinion was how how could a woman yeah. deliver <laughs> such <laughs> a no, conservative judgment i mean the burden is always on the woman whether to I and mean, whatever so uh, the thing is see i think she's making a very important point now the courts have held for long that there are no hierarchies in the fundamental rights right Correct. your right to equality your right to life your right to you no know, free speech they're all on the same level they are they're all on the same, at the same level as also is the right to practice propagate religion correct now but sorry here i want to button because you mentioned the right to propagate religion but if those religious practices are irrational quote unquote do we still allow them yeah so i think she makes a distinction there now now the thing is now, now first of all my position is that i i welcome the entry of women no i don't think that is this this <laughs> that's particular that's a disclaimer you have yeah, to put this out this is this particular uh, no practice is not sustainable at all mm-hmm. in my opinion but this is not just about sabarima right it's a principle that they are establishing now if you look at the constitution i i, I might need some time on this see if you look at the constitution and the constitution gives you the right to practice and propagate profess religion freely Correct. but they also have a reasonable restriction where where the religion has been opened up for social welfare and reform mm-hmm. now again as 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 a subclass of, of of social welfare and reform they also specifically say that this is about throwing open hindu religious institutions to the public mm-hmm. now the question here is can you reform a religion out of existence yeah it's an interesting question yeah is it is it are you going to give the state the power to determine how you should practice your religion i mean i think justice malhotra makes a point she says she is not talking about outright social evil like untouchability or sati but banning but, women from entering you know, is also discrimination based on gender right, against right but where should the reform gender? come from but the breadth of these terms social welfare and social reform is so wide that you could apply it for anything right? i mean it also comes from reading the constitution in spirit or in letter no how yeah that's the thing so the assumption here is that the four judges have read the constitution in spirit and indu malhotra has justice indu malhotra has not now coming to chandrachud's opinion now i do have no problems with 
certain principles that he has laid down. Now, first he says, he has sort of you know, overturned the, what is called the essential practice test. Mm-hmm. It's a very important test under 25, where you say that anything that is essential to religion yeah, mm-hmm. is not open to state reform. Correct. Now, what Chandrachud is now saying is that, and, and how is this essential practice tested? It is tested based on doctrines, on going in, the court going into doctrines and theology, etc. Mm-hmm. Now, Chandrachud comes in and says, now forget this essentiality test of going into doctrines, etc. Don't wear the, as he says, the theological cap. Assume something is essential and then test them for constitutionality. And by constitutionality, what does he say? 14, 19 and 21, which is... Your, your, you know, equality. So what you're saying is, is he sets up a hierarchy of rights. Hierarchy of rights. He's also overturning a well, well entrenched principle in law, mm-hmm. and done, done, done very casually. I mean, and I also I need to point out that that particular opinion of Chandrachud does not have the ratio of the judgment. Then I mm-hmm. don't think the other judges agree. Okay. But do we? I mean, the problem here is when you do this, when you force, and I'm, I'm again reiterating that I'm for. This judgment, this is a really good judgment. I'm not worried about this judgment, but about the larger principle. Now, if you're going to force reforms on people, that is going to extend the gap between constitutional values and religious values, which is which is taking a very how do I put it? A very t- t- taking a route that you shouldn't actually take. You can't be you can't be allowing the state to force reforms on people every time. The reform should come from within, and how how do you achieve that? Is what the court should be looking at. See, on the essential practice test, Chandrachur and uh, Rowington, first of all, they they determined whether it's a denomination in itself or not. Mm-hmm. Whether this essential practice is a practice within Hinduism as a whole or for the denomination or not. And when they say that this is not a denomination in itself, Ayapa devotees are not a denomination itself, then this test doesn't apply. Because this is not an essential practice for Hinduism as a whole. So I don't think uh, that they are, but even Justice Hindu Malhotra gets the essential practice test into the picture after deciding that Ayapa devotees are a denomination in themselves. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a difference. But Which the, has been contradicted, if I'm right. Uh, Hindu Malhotra says it's a denomination. Others say it's, Other, it's not. Correct. And the one, but one more important, most important thing that Hindu Malhotra does here is on the maintainability aspect, which is very important because here she says that people who don't have a stake in the matter have approached this court. PILs in India, because there's a broader point that she mm. makes that PILs in India, I, I personally feel they're being abused now. And people are coming forward who have absolutely no locus, no stake in the matter, and they uh, they use the court's time. And this also cases, leads yeah. to a majoritarian impulse, right? Now, tomorrow, somebody can set up a petitioner and say that, go and file a case forcing the Catholic Church to appoint women sure. priests immediately. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that is also very good. I would love the court to say, yeah. You're more pointing towards how it can be misused and the potential by far is yes, increasing. And also, how do you overturn established legal precedent? No, not but so the casually. point that I'm making is not limited to Sabari Mala in this sense. I'm mm-hmm. talking about a point where, for example, I personally did not feel that the Romila Thapar petition was maintainable. Okay. It has a larger question, but I didn't think it was a PIL. So okay. I, that's my personal view. That I didn't think it was a PIL because they sort of took away the right of the accused to approach the court which the Supreme Court order I mean, in fact became a hindrance. we do want people to stand up for people who can't find the rights. For yes. example, in Aadhaar, we cannot expect the masses to come yes. and file cases. They can't leave their day Absolutely. jobs. There has to be some nexus. Not mm-hmm. a single woman came up and challenged the Sabari Mala entry. The organization which came forward, none of them were affected people. I'm not against the judgment. Again, like I said, I will have a, I had a disclaimer. But Hindu <laughs> Ultra makes a broader point on maintainability in PILs. Okay. Um, I just have two last questions to the panel. One is about, there have been a lot of sexual harassment complaints in the Supreme Court. Since you lurk in the courts, you could probably give us better insights. I won't call it lurking. (laughs) Okay, since you roam the (laughs) the top courts halls. Mm. So, I mean, what's the process? Because the complaints have been made. Do is there a sexual harassment committee yes, in the Supreme, the Supreme Court? Court? Has it now? And once has it now? As in when was it? It wasn't in place till a very long time uh, back. Yeah. So in wow. fact, um, Mrs. Indra Jaising was one of the movers. He got who got this in place. I think it was not more than two years back. Yeah, yeah it was very. It, recent. It's, it's actually very recent, which is very surprising. My next question is: Is it functional? Because and when once you put your complaint in, for example, the two complaints that we've heard about, is there any action taken on that? I don't know about the follow-up action. But the committee did take cognizance of it. That is what I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. But yes, like I said, it, to, for it to be functional, a lot of complaints have to come forward. People are not mm-hmm. complaining. Okay. Wow. Um, and we know why people are not complaining. Exactly. If we look at how the media treats them exactly. and how the court 
sort of worse than that how the profession treats them is their own brethren it's their own colleagues how they treat them I mean, the delhi high court has a gag order against reporting one of the cases exactly. and that, the gag order has been pending for 5 6 years Wow. And there nope. are cases which and we can't even talk about. Yeah. To be very honest, we can't talk about it. Everyone knows what's going on. It's it, these are these are the worst kept secrets of the profession. We uh-huh. know who's who, who's doing what, but so no one can talk about it. So how do we change that? The change has to be institutional. Just having a nominal committee in place doesn't help. You have to have a senior judge sitting on it. You need to the chief to take action when so something right comes now, forward. So right now, who heads the committee? Uh, I'm not exactly sure the composition, but there's no, no senior judge sitting judge. on it. Rohan, yeah. do you want to? नहीं इसके सबरीमाला के कॉन्टेक्स्ट में एक छोटी सी बात जोड़ना चाह रहा था कि जो काम आज कोर्ट को करना पड़ रहा है वो शायद सोशल रिफॉर्म मूवमेंट से हो जाना चाहिए था और बदलते हुए वक्त के साथ सबरीमाला में वोमेन की एंट्री या मस्जिद में मुसलमान मुस्लिम औरतों की एंट्री या ट्रिपल तलाक पे जो आया वो हो जाना चाहिए था लेकिन मुझे लगता है कि ये एक मजबूरी भी है कोर्ट्स को इंटरवीन करने के लिए और इसको इस तरीके से भी देखा जा सकता this change that we expect from within the society hmm. is not coming no, i Or, agree with uh-huh. him on that aspect in fact i'll just add to that when sure. 377 was first decided by the bench of singhvi and mukhopadhyay hmm. they said it's open to the parliament to change the law did that law change no and there's a danger in going to the courts every time now hmm. you get a good judgment you're happy hmm. now what if the majority <laughs> judgment had right. been no entry to the yes. uh, to women yeah. and sabarimala i agree it attains finality in the supreme court and forever you won't have uh, and then you will say let reform through the society. <laughs> the problem is so that's that's why i i think the court court in the past has put it basically you cannot reform the religion out of existence hmm. but i having said that you're also right see the frustration that is building up because everything has been politicized now if you look at it there was a huge rally in uh, near sabarimala yesterday mm-hmm. where no at, at least some you know we just claim that at least 10000 women came out of the streets See that's a I mean that means that they did want to come in but they just didn't petition doesn't no, 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 mean that no, no, they no. don't they want to they actually came against the judgment what? they're ready Saying to wait who are you who are you to come yes. and wow okay yeah. i didn't know this yeah, so who are you to come and disturb our religion our practices the, the, the 10000 wow. women on the street, i mean okay. they could have been mobilized i mean chitranchu wanted to come in yeah i was uh, linking what he said uh, with the sexual harassment issue Visakha judgment was passed ages back. Mm-hmm. When did the sexual harassment at workplace law came come in? Three years back, four years back. Mm. So such a celebrated judgment, which was followed across the country, the parliament didn't have time to legislate upon it. I mean, also the judgments can be out, but the implementation is done only to a certain extent. But my last question to the panel is: What do you, all three of you, think of the court's relationship with the media? We've already seen how. courts can be influenced you already mentioned yeah, I already that yeah already answered that a bit but then like what can the court do in this or what should the media do in this just like quick inputs rohan pehle idhar se shuru karte okay shruti sagar see it, it also depends on the man in charge or the woman in charge right okay <laughs> mishra was i mean one thing that you need to get to mishra is that he was very open to criticism mm-hmm. at least he was not in a position to react yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> and he showed restraint now we can't expect this restraint from every you know person who's going to sit on the chair this is more uh, there's a larger problem here the problem i mean at the moment the court relationship between the court and the media is very good in the sense they don't unnecessarily stop you from doing anything but the problem is deep The problem is that they do have the power to stop you. In But whether it is in terms of gag orders mm-hmm. or the worst tool in a democracy called the contempt of court. Correct. Now anything and everything could be contempt. Yeah, it all depends on the on the whims and fancies mm-hmm. of the particular judge. We we have seen that in the last two years mm-hmm. in in two so important cases. Would live streaming make the problem worse? See live streaming uh, I don't know whether it'll make it worse or not but uh, at least some judges will play to the galleries at least for now it's being restricted to constitutional cases of uh, importance judges lawyers everyone will play to the galleries a little bit and but also it could also have the other effect where at, I I think I hope the judges the judges would you know reduce the number of arbiters I mean throwing comments during the you know The, during the proceedings or like he said play to the gallery then they would become even more, more grander yeah. Yeah. but how do we change the problems that currently exist between See, the court and the media is there a way to do at that at least one start has to be taken from the media because so you're I'm, putting the onus on I'm, the media I'm part of it part of it i am disclaimer he is 
मेरे ख्याल से रिपोर्टर्स की खास करके ट्रेनिंग होनी चाहिए जो कोर्ट्स कवर करते हैं वर्कशॉप तरह की चीज़ें एक रेगुलर इंटरवल पे होती रहनी चाहिए क्योंकि मैंने भी देखा है जब लोग सुप्रीम कोर्ट पहुंचते हैं रिपोर्टर्स तो शायद उनको ये लगता है कि जज के बाद वही हैं उसके बाद मतलब वो अपने आप को इतना क्रेडिबल और उस तरीके से मतलब आप आप उसमें एक पार्टी नहीं हो सकते आप उसमें उछल कूद नहीं मचा सकते और कुछ कोर्ट्स के जो जजमेंट्स हैं या जो कोर्ट्स रिलेटेड चीज़ें हैं उसमें आप बहुत सेंसिटिव होने की ज़रूरत है उसको आप सेंसेशनल नहीं बना सकते हैं तो मुझे लगता है कि उसकी प्रॉपर ट्रेनिंग होनी बहुत जरूरी है ब्यूटिफुल कार्टून इन न्यू यॉर्कर फ्यू ईयर्स बैक न्यूयॉर्कर केम आउट एंड डिपिक्टेड all the nine judges of the US Supreme Court as different animals according to their traits <laughs> there was a dog there was a pig and they weren't charged with contempt no, see, try that in india demo- yeah, try that in india try that in <laughs> india and then you'll know no, just to add to what he said reporters believe that oh, and at the end of the day, i don't be, i don't really blame them because they are also reporting to someone answerable to someone they have they are in this rush to To for breaking news, they rush to give f- exclusives and scoops. What happens like in the Nagra judgment? Everyone came out with the wrong report. They just need to rush out, tweet, I mean, WhatsApp. I think that's not just true to or limited to courts and legal proceedings. I think media jumps the gun on a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah, issue. let's agree on that. Or, sir, reporters' ki training or workshop nahi sampadko ke bhi. Even the editors need to be trained. I agree. I think, but uh, do you want to share your recommendation? Uh, uh, adultery पे भी एक लॉ उसको निरस्त किया है कोर्ट ने तो मुझे लगता है कि दादा कॉमरेड यशपाल ने जो लिखी है 1940s में लिखी है और वो men women relationship और third party relationships पे बहुत अच्छी किताब है वो पढ़नी चाहिए. चित्रांशु, do you have a recommendation? Yeah, I I recommend it to everyone. But um, on a different point, I think all lawyers and judges as a whole need to get a sense of humor now. Okay. Because we the the profession as a whole is losing it. So I would recommend. So your that recommendation is humor. Yeah, they should read John Mortimer at <laughs> today. Okay. श्रुति सागर रिकमेंडेशन रीच स्क्रोल डॉट इन अपार्ट फ्रॉम दैट सो आई जस्ट आई जस्ट फिनिश रीडिंग दिस extraordinary book called the 40 days at musa dag so okay. we all talk about the holocaust in germany the the, the genocide of jews where there was a genocide of equal proportions that happened i mean that the armenians faced in turkey so uh, this is a this is a story of 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 a village that held out mm-hmm. uh, now against uh, the, the march of the uh, turkish uh, army and the tatar turkish police for about 40 days sounds like a very interesting yeah, read yeah it's a slightly heavy book but then i i think it it just opens your eyes to how repressive the state could get and then that's a lesson that is pretty necessary in the times that we live okay uh, i want to recommend gautam bhatia's blog which is indian constitutional law and philosophy it is it was recommended earlier on the panel as well uh, especially do read the four part series on aadhar and a second recommendation is the media bullying of christine blasey ford it's a piece on columbia journalism review it's a must read piece to understand why victims of sexual assault as we were talking about do not come forward and why trust in the media is an all time low before closing out the podcast i want to thank our listeners for the feedback and the love please keep them coming uh Uh, because that's the only way we can better ourselves truly also an appeal to news consumers please pay to keep news free and independent if you want the media to improve you will have to support it there's no other option because when the public pays the public is served when corporations governments and advertisers pay they are served subscribe to news laundry or any other independent news organization of your choice to subscribe to news laundry visit newslaundry.com/subscription Happy subscribing. Thank you Parikshit for producing, Anil ji for recording and the panel for a very stimulating Thank discussion. You. Thank you. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.